With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joining me as always... Lance Williams out on the West Coast for the Homer and the Hater show. Lance likes it that way. The Homer and the Hater. I'm the Homer. He's the Hater. What's up, Hater? Uh, you're you're actually <laughs> the Hater. Am I? Yes, because you're you're a closet Patriot fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this all ties back into the fact that I'm very uh into nutrition and fitness and tv12 and all that so there you go yes he is he is uh uh, lengthened the career of uh tom brady no 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 no. but tom brady he's been in the news a lot we're not going to talk about tom brady not today anyways Uh, i want to talk about something that's a little bit different uh kind of what we we talked about last week on this show and i highly encourage or maybe it was the standard as a standard this past week we said which position are this should the Steelers target with their first pick in the draft now everyone knows that that is obviously a second round draft pick but still the question was like what position are we going to focus on and we talked about how it should be maybe offensive line maybe wide receiver maybe tight end and that was last Sunday's what that was last Sunday's homer and hater show so what I did is I, something I do from behind the steel curtain.com all the time is uh every year i basically try to keep track of basically every single player that the prosper prospect i should say that the steelers meet with both at the combine then at pro days and then of course who they bring in for their official pre-draft visits and i've always said i've said this before on multiple shows this is kind of like my stepping stones to the draft lance and i don't know a ton of college players coming out of 
college the last season. So the, the college season ends. We have our national champion this year. It's LSU. Other than the big name players, we don't know many guys. So I always wait. Everyone asks me questions like, hey, what are you going to do? What, what should the Steelers do with this player? Or that player? I don't know. But this is the part where I start to get a feel for what the Steelers are thinking. Now, they've met with a lot of prospects, both at all-star games, like the Shrine game, the East-West Bowl, all that stuff. And then the NFL scouting combine was last weekend, and they met with a ton of prospects there. Not all of these prospects get reported. Let's, let me make that very clear. I am fully aware that they met with more players than we're going to talk about today. Um, and the reason is, is the only way that the media or fans know about these players is if the players themselves come out and say, yeah, I had a formal meeting with the Steelers or yeah, I had an informal meeting with the Steelers. Just kind of talk to him a little bit. So I don't even look at the specific players when it gets to this point. Even I wait until, you know, the, the pro days and do the Steelers go and they take players out to dinner. Because there's been a couple players that they did that, and that was their top pick. I remember T.J. Watt when they went to Wisconsin's Pro Day. They took him out to dinner. That shows a clear-cut interest in that specific prospect. But here is where I look at positions. Who are they interviewing, but what position are they actually really targeting in terms of their prospect pool? So, Lance, before we get into numbers, I want to ask you, in terms of the most important part, when you're talking about trying to decipher what the Steelers are thinking approaching the draft. Is it combine interview pro day, or is it official pre-draft visit? Which one trumps the other? I would say official pre-draft visit. Okay. I'd say the, the visit and the dinners because they're taking time to bring somebody into their facility and they are spending money their own dime to again, evaluate the player in a certain way, take his temperature, you know, really share information, picking that prospect's brain in terms of how they feel about football, you know, sort of the soft and tangible stuff. They do the football stuff earlier. So when an organization devotes that much time to an individual and it's followed up by a dinner, given the, the very busy schedule of an NFL team at this point in time, of the season when it comes to player evaluation in the draft, that's a definite interest. And you probably, you know, in a loose pseudoscience way, uh, you know, if you count those up, you can definitely get a feel as to where they're targeting in terms of position. Yeah. And so I, I think even when you look at specific prospects, um, I didn't realize this, but a lot of people said that sometimes teams will bring in players for pre-draft visits, knowing that they are really not on their radar almost to throw off other teams. In other words, stating that other teams are looking at who the Steelers bring in. They're looking at where they draft. They're looking at, are they interested? And so I guess from what I've, what I read and I've, I can't remember the article and where it was, but th there's a lot of, there's a lot of undercurrent with these NFL teams. They, they scout each other and what they're doing. They look at who they're meeting with. They look at what position they're thinking, because if they're around them, it's one of those, Maybe they, they met with this guy and they brought him in for a pre-draft visit. Maybe they're going to take him. Maybe we need to, in reality, maybe they're not even that interested at all. So there, there's a whole other level to this. There, there's another level of science, too, because if you can get the information of the particular restaurant. So, for instance, <laughs> Ruth's Chris versus Ponderosa. 
See, I'm going old school with Ponderosa. Oh, I know Ponderosa. Ruth's Chris versus Ponderosa. Or Ruth's Chris versus Bob Evans. What about Hosses? I don't know Hosses. You don't know Hosses? Hosses is hospitality, man. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I don't I don't know Hosses, but so definitely the quality of restaurant may also factor in. In and yeah. out, McDonald's, Burger King, Ruth's Chris. There you go. If I get you a burger, you're not going to be a player. If I get you a porterhouse, you just might be a player. <laughs> it's like Ali says, Olive Garden is a lock. McDonald's late, late six round. <laughs> <laughs> Breadsticks and salad. Wes chimes in with, uh, if you got taken to, to Haas's, you ain't getting drafted by Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> so th this is all part of the process and so just today on behind the steel curtain.com we released every single major ncaa programs pro day and so for me i think we both agree this gets ramped up meaning the if the steelers are there especially if mike tomlin and kevin colbert are there they want to keep their eye on specific guys it is interesting to me, though, and I want to get your feel for this, too. Like, for instance, when the Steelers acquired Joe Hayden, you know, Mike Tomlin openly says, I recruited Joe Hayden hard. I knew we weren't going to get him in the draft. He was going to go way before we went. But sometimes you just never know when a guy's going to find find his way to your team. Look at Minka Fitzpatrick. It's another example. So a lot of people say, I don't know why they're looking at this guy or that guy. Stranger things have happened, right? Yeah, I mean, it's the long game. It's the poker play. It's the long game. They're playing the long game because you only get one time to evaluate these guys up close and personal and get a book on them and create a profile on them. So, like you said, with a Minka Fitzpatrick or a Joe Hayden, they go back to that information that they assessed originally in their scout with the player and, and, and also compare that to game film of what the player has evolved into and if they still see those traits and if they like those traits, then, you know, they pull the trigger if they can in a trade or some other different way. I mean, it's, it's similar. I mean, when you, you know, when you see an attractive person, you know, they're probably always attracted to, you. I mean, something originally sparked your eye when you saw that player. And then if you have an opportunity to, to acquire that player, you, you know, you reassess and look at your notes again. So, NFL teams, good NFL teams, let me preface it by saying that they don't waste time. So if they're evaluating prospects, this information can be used at some point in time. It may not, but they're not evaluating players just to evaluate players and to waste precious time in this process at this point in time a year. Right. And so if we backtrack and we take a look at the, the players they've at least reportedly met with at the combine um, before we get into that. Ryan O'Toole says, good sign. The Steelers take you to Longhorn Steakhouse. Not a good sign when they're, they roll you into Arby's and tell you only one sandwich. <laughs> with horsey <laughs> sauce. Don't even think about any cinnamon buns either. That's not on the menu. So um, at the combine so far, according to my list, and there might be other people that have, uh, more extensive list. They might have information that I don't have. I'm not privy to. I have the Steelers as from all-star games up until present day. They've met with 15 prospects. Again, I know they've met with more. 
I think they're allowed to meet with 30 players at the combine official interviews, 30. So clearly, and that might be more than that. It's either 30 or 45. I can't remember if you're in the live chat, you know, let me know, but still that means that a lot of these are not being reported because again, the end, the, the NFL does not mandate that the teams tell people who they met with. It's up to the players. Cause the media asks, Hey, what are some teams that you've met with? And they're like, Oh, well, I met with the Steelers. I met with the saints. I met with the dolphins, whatever. So that's how we, um, Oh, Reed tells me it's 45. Now used to be 60. I knew they cut it back. So 45. So, so far our, our list at behind the steel curtain.com is at 15. I don't look at players because this is just, there, there's so many interviews that I don't feel like they're narrowing down their search at all. This is like, they're just getting their feelers out there. I look at positions. What positions are they interviewing the most? So I broke it down by position here. So far, quarterbacks, one. Wide receivers, two. Tight ends, one. Linebacker, three. That includes edge, pass rushers. Offensive line, two. Running backs, two. And which one was the most interviewed position? Your favorite, defensive back. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, they, I mean, we know that I, uh, they're going to miss on that one. You know, they're, 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 you know, they're pretty much going to whiff on any DB that they take. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what was the last defensive back they've taken that you would say wasn't a whiff? I, 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 I'm thinking of one off the top of my head, but I'm not sure if there's been one more recent. Who do you have in mind? Um, who do you have in mind? Because you, it's Cam on the top Sutton. of your head. Cam yes. Sutton. Okay. Mid-round pick, wasn't didn't have a lot of high expectations attached to him. And he doesn't have a huge role on the defense, but I think he's played well when given the opportunity. Well, if Cam Sutton's year one, then it's none. Although he's solid, it better be Edmonds. But, you know, I mean, just because I'm stumbling about thinking of a good one. Then well, I guess I was thinking of cornerback. I guess I was thinking yeah. of cornerback. Maybe cornerback. And we don't know what Justin Lane's going to provide. They drafted him last year. We're not sure because he didn't see the field as a cornerback, which which is a good thing because if he sees the field, that means that either Steven Nelson or Joe Hayden are hurt or they just went down the tubes. <laughs> Reed Overhand says, interview a thousand DBs and still get Artie Burns. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like we talked about, some teams just don't do well drafting certain positions. And you have a sweet spot for certain types of prospects or whatever. You just, you know, you just have an eye for certain positions and or prospects. You know, that team up north doesn't do a good job in drafting wide receivers. They're famously bad about it. And Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert, that combination, in my opinion, and I did a show about it years ago, probably last year. And I said, yeah, the Steelers are terrible at drafting DBs. And, and, yep. and their history says it. Uh, that's why their two starting corners are from other teams. So, and their starting free safety is from another team. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, you just have to admit when you can't do a certain thing well. And for them, it tends to be evaluating DBs. Gyro says, I'm so confused as to why they're interviewing defensive backs. And you, I think you said it, it might've been on your Friday show. If not, I'm sure you said, um, said it before. I remember you saying it exactly that you can never have too many quality defensive backs, you know? And Absolutely. so if you, if you can get a, a cam Sutton type, that's a win because he's a serviceable player. He is not, you're not ex necessarily drafting him to be in the next guy. 
you can never have too many quality cornerbacks. And so they're doing their diligence. I do want to bring up, since we're talking about defensive backs, this was something that Jeffrey Benedict, who you are a fan of his work at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, um, he commented, I, I'm not sure if it was in the live chat or commented on a YouTube video or maybe even in the comment section of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I want to get your thoughts. He said, you know, everyone criticized like the 2017 defense Keith Butler's unit because basically the secondary was trash. They got after the quarterback. They set a new Steelers record that year for sacks, but they couldn't stop anyone when it came to the passing game, to pass defense. And he said, and I want to see if you agree or disagree, that Keith Butler, when it comes to the front seven, is one of the best in the business in terms of scheming and getting guys to in position to succeed in terms of getting to the quarterback. He said he would always, but as the secondary, he's one of the worst. And he said his thought is because they brought in Terrell Austin and he's basically the secondary secondary coordinator, that's when this defense made the next jump. You agree? I agree. I mean, the numbers suggest that what he's alluding to is 100% right. If you look at the Steelers' sack numbers over the last three seasons, they probably have close to 160 Maybe I'm going to guess I'm going to put them over at an average of 54 sacks over the last three seasons. So, you know, you do the math. Well, yeah, you do the math. That's close to about 160 sacks. So, yes, the math would suggest that they do do a great job of scheming pressure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In those oh. previous seasons, they weren't good on the back end, but now they're good on the back end. But you can't overstate the fact that they also have better players. Steve Nelson and the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick makes it a lot easier for a, a coach to scheme up the secondary better. Do you agree, though, when he said that you do you think Keith Butler is one of the best in the business in terms of front seven work in I all do. facets, not just sacks, run defense? I do. I mean, I do. I really do. I think their their front seven is, is riddled with first round and second round draft picks. They better be good. <laughs> I mean, but you know, you have to you have to get you know you have to get the you know the talent to produce. Yeah. You know, a first rounder is just a first rounder. Uh, you know, how many first rounders do we as fans complain about that they're bad? I.e., El Busto, Jarvis Jones. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, the production is there. That front seven hums every single season. They got great players. You need great players to make great plays and to make great plays consistently. But you also got to have great coaching to get those great players in a great position to make great plays. And I don't want to say great again on this show. I'll tell you what's great, in my opinion, and, and no one would ever say this unless you really thought about it. But it takes a lot of guts for a head coach especially a head coach that his specialty is in the secondary to say, I'm going to bring in someone else to do that job. I guarantee if you had Mike Tomlin one-on-one -on -one and he was being completely honest that he would say that during those years where they were struggling, he was trying to do the secondary coach's job. And right. you can't, 
you're, you're the head coach. You got to be the CEO. That's what you always say. You got to be the CEO. You got to be in charge of everything. Bring in Terrell Austin, although head scratching at the time, now in hindsight, makes complete sense. And it was a great move. And so we've always said, I know Dave Schofield says it all the time on his shows, the Steelers could benefit from more coaches. They have one of the smallest coaching staffs in the National Football League. They could benefit from having a few more coaches, and that's a perfect example. But Mike Tomlin, that's his that's his shtick. You know, he was a DB's coach with Tampa Bay, defensive coordinator with Minnesota for a year, then he gets hired as a head coach. It takes it takes some it takes a lot of humility to step back and say we need some help. I can't do it all. Absolutely. You know? I mean, absolutely. I mean, your focus has to be you know, winning football games. As long as you keep that first, you know, it helps you to remove that ego out. And also it has helped you when the organization says, Hey dude, we need to get better. <laughs> you want that long-term contract? We got to improve this defense. <laughs> Motivation yeah. is a great thing. You know, that, that brings up a topic I want to talk about first, Wes Hickok along. He's one of our greatest viewers and listeners. He puts $5 in. He's a great show, Jeff. He's going to send me some emails later, a collection of some Steeler thoughts on recent shows. Appreciate that. And a health advice question. Yes. Let's solicit some health advice on my, hey, if I can make Steeler Nation a little bit healthier, hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> well, Wes, let me give you some free advice. <laughs> Don't do what I do. <laughs> There <laughs> you go. If you see what Lance is doing, do the polar opposite and you'll be just fine. So a uh, good stopping point here in the show to just say, look, we've actually had some really good participation, both in the live chat here on YouTube. Our subscriber numbers continue to climb. I think we're 5,180. We're close to that 5,200. Uh, sharing the show is something I've been looking at numbers a lot. You know, if you're someone that loves the Steelers and you have a lot of friends, hey, take the show, put it on your Facebook page or, or throw it up on Instagram with the link or however you want to. Sharing the show is a phenomenal way of us spreading the message, which is we feel like we have the best Steelers content out there. And that includes Steelers Nation Radio and all the other podcasts that are out there. So make sure you spread the love. As Lance always says, like the shows, comment subscribe to the channel, set up your notifications. It's a good way to uh, always, you know, make sure you're not missing anything. So I was tossing around some options in my head about what I wanted to do with a headline today. And as I was in the gym this morning, I thought, I don't know if I would want to do this, but this would be right up Lance's alley. It's like, what would be the worst case scenario for the Steelers in 2020? And it would, in my, I, my mind went from, okay, what if Ben Roethlisberger comes back and sucks? I mean, that, that would be a worst case scenario, right? Absolutely. What if the Steelers miss the playoffs for a third straight year? I mean, With Ben? Yeah. Playing? Yeah. That like, would be that would be almost as bad as him getting hurt again and him not playing. No, I'm going to say it. The worst case scenario would be if he comes back, he sucks, and they don't make the playoffs. Because What would be the ripple effect of that? He's getting cut the following season. Tomlin, three straight years. Of well, Tomlin with one one year left will finish. Okay, I think Roethlisberger would be waived. His career would end, and they would be in the tank. They would they would probably be the worst team in the division because they would have no quarterback essentially. Because yeah. I'm not a fan of, I'm not. I don't think Mason Rudolph is the next guy. So they would be in the toilet. I mean, they would be a bad team. 
with a good Man. defense. <laughs> Wes, said, Wes says ripple effect would be Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if they'd be that bad because that defense is still really good, but that wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Reed Overhand says in your 2021 starting quarterback, Paxton Lynch. Oh, Lord help us. <laughs> yeah, we might as well have Brian Anthony <laughs> Davis as our starting quarterback. I'd rather have Brian Anthony Davis because of his level of recollection that's true. Means he might be able to remember the X's and O's on the board, but maybe not be able to execute them. But he would definitely know the verbiage, all of the packages, be able to get the plays in and out from the headset quickly, as well as have time to uh, talk about the greatest pop hits of that particular <laughs> day before you get to the huddle. Well, you know, at least he already has a set of pants. He's got BJ Finney's game worn pants, so he's 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 halfway there. There's got to be a cliche about never wearing another pa- another man's pants or something. There has to be some cliche, you know, something about you know, like about, you walk in somebody's other shoes. Yes, yeah, don't, yeah, there is that one. I've never heard about pants though. That's a Brian Anthony Davis special right there. Yeah, Only don't wear <laughs> another man's pants. You never know what another man has been unless you wear his pants. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I don't know. That's just every time I think about him wearing another guy's pants, something which I've never done, I feel kind of, I don't know. I mean, I guess I have because I've gotten hand-me-downs. I don't know. In the new generation, I don't know if you guys know what hand-me-downs are, but oh, hand-me-downs yeah. are exactly what it sounds i mean you've got an older brother so you've gotten some hand-me-downs i mean i lived off of hand-me-downs as a kid are you serious <laughs> exactly like boys you can't afford to uh buy new pants for boys all the time they just kill clothes uh so i had hand-me-downs from cousins and stuff like that but i never purchased another man's pants to wear <laughs> He paid like twenty five dollars for BJ Finney's pants. Oh come on, man! That that, that <laughs> I, I gotta stop because that makes me think of other things too. Yeah. But I, so I just need to stop. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Let's get into our week review. If you're a first time listener or first time viewer of the show, on Sundays we go back and we take a look at all the other previous podcasts, everything from the Steelers Q and A, which is the off season show for Brian Anthony Davis and Tony Defio. The Steelers Stat Geek on Tuesday with Dave Schofield and Big Bro Rich. Uh, our standard is a standard show on Wednesday. Thursday is a Steelers preview and Lance's yeah, I said it show. And then, of course, the Steelers burning question on Saturdays. Yeah, that's right. We do seven shows, even in the offseason. Enjoy it. A lot of people don't aren't that dedicated, including Steelers.com. Anyways, uh, this to this Monday. <laughs> Um, nice little dig. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this Monday we did the Steelers Q and a, and it was all about, I sent you the, um, the, the image, the thumbnail for this. And you kind of laughed. Brian Anthony Davis was talking about intimidation. He wanted to talk about the all time greatest intimidators in Steelers history. And so he was talking about Lambert. He was talking about Greg Lloyd, Kevin green, I don't know if LeVon Kirkland was named that he should have been because that man was a giant and could run. He asked the question, I'll ask you this. Are there any current Steelers on defense that could be labeled as an intimidator? No. 
And I don't think it's because of the players per se. I think the NFL rules have really taken intimidating defense out. You can't really tee off on guys anymore. And offensive players know it. And the rules are slanted for offensive players. So I think it's hard to be as intimidating as we think of players in the past because the fines just get ridiculous. But the player that you think of in recent memory for the Steelers being intimidating is Debo. I mean, Debo was the guy. I mean, James Harrison was just flat out. James Harrison and Joey Porter, I mean, when you come out of the locker room, get in a fight before the game gets started and gets kicked out, you're an intimidating guy. I mean, Joey Porter and Debo, I mean, they went to the school of intimidation and got A pluses. But other than that, I mean, it's really hard to be intimidating. I mean, I was at the game where he hit um, Colt McCoy. James Harrison caught Colt McCoy Ooh. on the sidelines. Man, <laughs> I thought he killed him. I mean, man, I mean, <laughs> it was cold as all get out. The game stopped for about 25 minutes. I mean, I thought he killed the guy. But it's really hard to be that intimidating, punishing guy. I mean, you know, T.J. Watt is great. But is he intimidating? No, he's more of a clinician. He gets his sacks. He plays hard. He has a great motor. But he's not really intimidating. So it's hard to be that type of player, I think, in the current NFL because they don't want guys to get smashed and absolutely killed. Who's Okay, so on the current defense, who is the closest thing to an intimidating force? I would say Cam Hayward just because of his motor, his strength. Um, He kind of moves guys. I mean, he's sort of a baby Huey type guy. Um, So I would think if I would think Cam Hayward, other than that, I don't, I don't think any other guy strikes fear from just a pure intimidation perspective, not a physical intimidation perspective. Would you say Vince Williams might fall into the intimidator? Not really. I mean, Vince is physical, but I don't think he's an intimidator. I don't think, teams going to the game thinking I got to keep my head on a swivel because Vitty Vitty Vici. I mean, well, you can't be intimidating when your nickname is Vitty Vitty Vici. I mean, so nickname has something to do with it as well. Debo knocking people out. That's intimidating. Joey Porter abs walking out on the field, beating people up before games start. That's intimidating. Okay, let me ask you this. Can an offense pl- offensive player be intimidating? I think offensive linemen can when they pancake dudes and stand up on them and stuff like that. I think offensive linemen can absolutely be intimidating when they truck guys and pancake guys, when they put syrup on the back of defenders. They, absolutely. Is there any current member of the offensive line that would be an intimidator? You know my answer, Jeff. You know my answer. No, of course not. Well, DeCastro, no. DeCastro pools. You better get out of the way. I mean, he's yeah, not he, a he's, he's a finesse guard, though. No, I mean, he, he he he's a technician. He's a finesse guy, especially on the <laughs> interior. I mean, he's not a road grader that's going to be blocking you in your chest and keep blocking you on the ground when the play is over. He doesn't beat guys up on the interior. Uh, Quentin Nelson beats guys up. Um I mean, so, I mean, no, but you don't have to be that physically intimidating guy or have to have a bunch of guys that knock people out and take bad penalties physically. You just got to win football games. DeCastro is a great player. 
He clearly plays the game really well. But no, I don't think they have the avoid Lloyd guy out there. But to Ryan O'Neill, O'Toole's point, Pouncey might be intimidating because that combination he threw on Miles Garrett, I'm sure enhanced his. He also threw some feet. If you <laughs> Yes, and he threw some feet. And he's pretty intimidating on Twitter when talking about the CBA. So yeah. when you combine all that, maybe he's intimidating. I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. So let's go to Tuesday's show, the Steelers Stat Geek, where the Schofield brothers talked about points of emphasis for the Steelers in 2020. These are things that typically when you hear from Art Rooney II, Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin throughout the offseason, they always kind of have an undercurrent, an undertow, so to speak, of this is what needs to improve for the team to get to the ultimate goal, which is win a Super Bowl. What would be your point of emphasis and we know things like injuries you, you throw that out the window that's every year but after 2019 other than injuries what are your points of emphasis just a few heading into 2020 for the Steelers to get to the next level hopefully this will get solved with Ben Roethlisberger returning they need more explosive plays in the passing game because they've got to get to about 27 28 points per game so I'd love for them to generate big explosive plays in the passing game and that doesn't have to mean with the ball traveling in the air to do it that can mean yards after catch I think they just have to become way more explosive on offense and start trying to get yards in chunks and be better in the red zone so hopefully they get more explosive plays and their red zone offense goes back to Big Ben circa 2018 where they were number one in the National Football League um, in the red zone. A last thing would be, and you notice I'm saying this is all offense, would be <laughs> I think they have to increase their number of red zone chances. I think last year they averaged less than two red zone chances a game. Or if they averaged over two, it was maybe low 2.1. I mean, you're not going to score a bunch of points when you're not getting red zone chances. Explosive plays in the passing game, red zone chances, um, and being really efficient in the red zone. I think you increase those three things. I think you score a lot more points. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with any of that because everything you said is fact. It's not fiction. It's not, you know, I, what, what you just put on the screen, what Wes says, got to limit turnovers, especially fumbles. That was going to be number one for me. Got to limit the turnovers. That's key. But also, I want to see the Steelers run the ball better. And it, it, a lot of that is Ben Roethlisberger coming back, having the threat of a pass, um, you know, we no one sat there and thought that oh Mason Rudolph might beat us with his arm today or Duck Hodges is going to go out there and sling the rock around and beat us, you know, throwing for four hundred yards. No, it was never going to happen. So they could load the box. I think they need to run the ball better. It'll help to alleviate some of the issues with the defense getting tired. It'll also if they can run the ball in the red zone. That's what they did well in two thousand and eighteen. They ran the ball in the red zone and they did it effectively because 2018 James Conner was a available and they ran the ball well that year. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You're you're absolutely right. Uh, didn't Colbert make some comments about um, James Conner recently that he expected James Conner to return to 2018 form and that he just had you know kind of an injury plague season and that he thought he'd be back. Did you hear those comments? Yeah, absolutely I did. I was really concerned by that. What was your thoughts 
pertaining those comments by Cobra. Do you agree? Well, I think that they're at their they're at they're at their end of the rope with with James Conner because here he is going into a contract year, and if you listen to his comments about Conner and then flip the, flip it to his comments about Juju, talk about night and day. His comments about Juju were, you know, he's banged up, dealing with a lot of stuff. We expect Juju's going to be fine. Now, what about James Conner? He needs to stay on the field. We're, we're hoping to see 2018 James Conner come back. I was like, wow, that's a different tone. That's different. That's different altogether. So, yeah, I, I heard it. I was, wasn't was surprised. I mean, this is a guy that since his rookie year, and remember, his rookie year, he was the backup to Le'Veon Bell. He has yet to play in 16 games in his entire NFL career. I understand that most running backs get dinged up. They miss a game or two. But my goodness, this guy cannot stay healthy. I just don't, I, from a fitness standpoint, from a physical standpoint, I think about it all the time. And I'm like, I don't know what else he can do. He was in great shape last year. Sometimes you just have those injuries. He got tackled on his shoulder, the the quad. I'm not sure what that was about. Um, I don't know. He's working hard. If you follow him on social media, him and Aaron, he trains with Aaron Donald in the offseason. Those guys are killing it right now. But you got you to gotta be durable. Biggest thing. I mean, is it, you know, from being from the perspective of a fitness guy, one fit dad, hot lunch boy. Um, is that just luck? Is just that? It, is it just bad luck? Is it? Is it uh, a bad focus in training? I mean, I mean, you see guys get hurt often. I know it's a factor of the position. I mean, is there any way that you can train in a particular way to try to limit certain things? Or, I mean, from a physical yeah, well, perspective, I mean, jump into that. To me, I always say that there's two types of injuries. There's a, there's a conditioning injury, and then there's a physical injury. So you get popped running the football, and you separate your shoulder. You could have trained that shoulder day and night, all offseason, and it wouldn't matter because you got hit really hard and it's a ball and socket joint and it came out of its socket. So that's, that's a structural injury. Um, in terms of the things that I hate and I hate seeing are like hamstring injuries. Yes, they can happen to anyone, but typically you can train your hamstrings and your quads and your groin for that dynamic movement, especially if you're training specific to your position running backs are going to have to work on those jump cuts those lateral movements which is so important for the abductor and adductor muscles in the lower body i don't want to get too technical here but there are conditioning things that you can do to help prevent those injuries and so when i see guys report to training camp and all of a sudden up he's got a hamstring he's going to be sitting for a little bit that drives me nuts because that tells me they didn't come into camp in shape they didn't come into camp ready but on the on the flip side if you're on turf you go to plant your leg and your knee keeps going. And next thing you know, you just blew out your ACL. What are we can do about that. I mean, ligaments are ligaments, tendons are tendons, joints are joints. Sometimes you can train as much as you want to try to protect those joints and those things, but it's a physical game. You know what I mean? So I think that's a good answer. I mean, it's a, you know, it sounds like all of the above, like part of its luck, part of its training. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, and maybe, you know, Connor, a lot of it for him. I mean, if he's, if he's training with Aaron Donald, he's just got bad luck. Yet I will say about James Connor specifically, and this is something Jesse uh, Moreno puts on the, I'll put it up here. He says, Connor is, 
He is. He just doesn't roll with some tackles like he should. Bell, this is something I've seen, okay? Go back and watch Le'Veon Bell highlights or just maybe find a game and just watch a game, watch him run for maybe a quarter, quarter and a half, and you see the way he takes on hits. He understood how to go with certain hits and when to kind of – James Conner is like a wrecking ball. Yeah, the other thing Bell did is he took half a shoulder. So he took half a body. So he he would split you in half and hit you on one half of your body when he was initiating contact. He was never trying to hit you square. He was typically trying to hit you with his shoulder that was opposite of the ball to your opposite shoulder. So he was trying to hit you with your outside shoulder with his outside shoulder or with his inside shoulder with the ball outside of that. So yeah. he was trying to initiate that contact with the ball opposite of that contact to kind of split you in half, eliminate half your force. And just like a good defensive boxer, he rolled with shots. Connor is yeah. hitting guys square. Yeah. You just mano a mano. Like I'll take the hit. Which is great at times, you know, third, you know, let's say it's a third and six and you get the ball in the flat and you need to get that six yard and you get hit at the, the five yard point. You're going to try to go through that guy to get that extra yard. So there's times where that's okay. And Le'Veon Bell did that, but Le'Veon Bell also knew how to maintain himself a little bit better. And Ali put, sometimes it's okay to go out of bounds. Exactly. I think it's a hundred percent true. Franco. He got ridiculed for it, but you're not going to hate him as he's wearing a Hall of Fame jacket, so put it that exactly. way. All right, so good points of emphasis there. On our standard as a standard, we talked about the Bud Dupree contract and the options they have, so go and check that out. We're not going to talk about that again. Now, the Steelers preview, we talked about something that was a little bit more – actually, it was a split off of something we talked about on Wednesday, and that was is keeping the defense together a priority. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net-zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And you said that absolutely it was. So, uh, yeah. So I think we kind of touched on that. Snowman puts $5 in the tip jar and says, what about the chemotherapy Connor had? Is that a factor? I'm not an oncologist, first and foremost. So I don't know to the extent chemotherapy, I, it weakens the body. I mean, if you understand the nature of what chemotherapy does in terms of cancer cells in the body, it, it does its job. Um, but it, it's tough. You rarely see professional athletes having to try and regain their strength and come back from such a, a grueling thing like chemo. I, I, I really don't want to even speculate because I don't know. You know, Lance, you might have some inside information on that, but I know I, I, I mean, I can just second that, you know, having had relatives that have had chemotherapy and I'm sure, unfortunately, that there are probably several more people in the live chat 
that has had that so or, or witnessed um, a relative that has had chemotherapy. And, and like Thaddeus Young, Thaddeus Kennedy, excuse me, says it weakens your body for 12 to 24 months. I would agree with that. I mean, watching my grandfather go through chemotherapy, I mean, his complexion changed completely. He turned gray. Um, he looked gray, lost all his hair. He was just extremely weak. I mean, and, and, and the saying is that the chemotherapy kills you. Like ultimately, chemotherapy kills you. Yeah. Um, you know, it kind of strips you and resets you. But, you know, it's tough. It's really, really tough. So, you know, I just wish the young man the best. And I hope he decides to make some business decisions with his body on the football field so he can extend his career and protect the ball in certain situations. Hey, he's a guy the Steelers would love to keep around if he can actually be available. I still believe that 100%. Like, I don't think the Steelers have closed the door on James Conner. Um, they just want to see him alter his game a little bit. He came into he's – he's been in great shape the past few seasons. It's just that he gets these injuries. So uh, we'll see it. Uh, we'll see. And then Kathy brings up, don't forget the fact that he also underwent radiation. And that's something my dad went through as he battled uh, prostate cancer. And, boy, does, man, that stuff is just awful absolutely awful so all right let's go to the the last show here is the steelers burning question which mr david schofield did yesterday that saturday last night um he said which player let's assume that the cba is signed and agreed upon we're not going to get into that which player on the steelers do you think is going to get a new contract next if the cba is signed if it is signed let's assume that it is signed it'll be bud Dupree followed by cam hayward well, I wouldn't call a franchise tag a new contract. So you think they're going to get him a long-term contract? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. I, think they I don't think they're going to do that. I think they'll try to get that done. But but if so, even if they do give him the franchise tag. So if they give him the franchise tag, like you said, he's out. So if he's out and he won't, then I think it'll be Cam Hayward to get the next contract. Would you try to lock up Juju Smith-Schuster? No. Really? No. No, I, I, I'd, I'd wait to see what Juju looks like this year. As good as Juju is and, and all the numbers, I forget what show you guys talked about. It might have been Burning Question. All of the fantastic numbers that Juju has put up with the Steelers. I still need Juju to play out this year so I can see. I, I think Juju is a quality player, but I have him on the cheap right now. There's no necessary need for me to do anything with it. If I need to level set it and, and keep him here for a another year, I can franchise him anyway. I have those options, but I want Juju to play out the year. I would I would think about, well, you have him on the cheap. He's coming off of a bad injury plague season. I would try to give him an extension now. I would try to get Juju Smith-Schuster an extension and say, we want to give you a three-year extension. He's going to stay at the same cap hit for this year. And then after that, it's it is when it kicks in in terms of he's going to get a little bit more money. It's going to be significant more towards the back end of it when Ben Roethlisberger's numbers go off the books. That's personally what I think, um, you know. I think that makes sense. I mean, those are great points. I think that makes sense from the club perspective. Because right now I his think, stock has never been lower since he entered the NFL. I think from the Juju perspective, I think he'll bet on himself try to kill it this year and hit the open market with a ton of value. Uh, to me, I, I, yeah, it might be silly for him to sign it, but if I'm the Steelers, I'm trying to, I'm trying to lock him up. Hey, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't, I don't, I don't you, disagree. 
I don't, I don't disagree you, with you. I think that that's probably the best. I mean, right now, Juju's cap number is 1.3 million. I mean, it's, I mean, he represents 0.7% of the Steelers salary cap. So if you're going to give him, it, it, actually in your last year, it, it they wouldn't even give him an extension. They would just give him a new deal. I mean, they would just give him a new deal. They'd give him a new four-year deal. Maybe. Um, I, I would say the one thing I keep on thinking about, and I think Cam Hayward's going to get paid, trust me. But I think I keep thinking about Juju is that although he might not be the number one, and we've talked about that on this show before, he's also your best receiver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't let him leave. You can't let him go because – take this receiving core and take Juju Smith-Schuster away from it. And all of a sudden you're like, well, this isn't the same. This isn't even close. Well, the one thing, the one thing, you know, as we try to speculate sometimes on the show, the crystal ball is, you know, they're taking a wide receiver this year and, yeah. you know, factor that in and factor also in Deontay Johnson. And what the, what is Deontay Johnson going to look like in year two? Cause let's say Deontay no, Johnson you, ascends. Right then all that kind of changes. So I think yeah. they're going to let Juju play it out because they always feel like you can get wide receivers and their ability to coach wide receivers, scout it and find it has been absolutely impressive. So I don't think they feel threatened by losing a wide receiver. No, I don't think so either, but we've seen what Juju can do when they have other weapons on offense. Yes. So you just brought up they're going to draft a receiver. Let's say it's a guy in this deep wide receiver class in the second round that can come in, and maybe maybe he's a one-trick pony like Mike Wallace who takes the top off. Okay, that's going to help Juju Smith-Schuster. Deontay Johnson going into year two, he's going to be better. That's going to help Juju Smith-Schuster. James Washington going into year three, he took a step forward last year. That's going to help Juju Smith-Schuster. I look at Juju as maybe he's not the guy. You know, He's not the world beater that can go out there no matter what, and beat his man and make plays. That's just not his MO. Maybe not yet, but as of right now, I don't think that's I think you agree, right? I agree. But when he has people to distract attention away from the defense, he can do some serious damage. And so I would keep him around for that reason because, I, I heck, even if he's just a slot receiver, that's where he does his most damage is from the slot. Yeah, I definitely want Juju to be around. I think they should keep him. I just think the the contract part will be after the season. The one thing that's also ve- that that is a big thing in Juju's favor, a big feather in his cap is Juju's only twenty four. Very. I young. mean, I mean, Juju's only twenty four. So you go into your second contract at twenty five. You got a ton of football left. You got five years before thirty, and we've seen that wide receivers have continued to be productive into their thirties. So Juju has a lot of football in front of him to get better. You're right about that. hundred percent. So we'll see how that plans out. It all depends and hinges on the CBA, which should be, uh, should be getting finalized this week. I would imagine, which will be right around the time. The 12th is when they have to, the Steelers have to make a decision about Bud Dupree. Are they going to franchise tag him? If they do, what kind of tag are they going to use? The transition tag, the exclusive rights, all the stuff that we talked about on Wednesday. So if you want to hear more about the Steelers' options that they have when it comes to Bud Dupree and the tags, go back and check out that show, The Standard is the Standard. So, all right. I want to talk about one more thing, Lance, before we call it a show. This past week, a happy belated birthday to Mr. Ben Roethlisberger, your favorite player ever to wear a Steelers (laughs) jersey. Yes. You said we should talk about it on another show. I was like, no, I'm going to talk about it on Sunday because I want to make you talk about it. 
I want to ask you one question. That is, you what is your favorite Ben moment that is not in the Super Bowl or the playoffs? So the uh, the, so the tackle against the Colts can't use it. Super Bowl forty three throw to Santonio Holmes can't use it. What's your favorite Ben Roethlisberger moment that doesn't involve the playoffs or a Super Bowl? I don't know if I have a moment. Can I answer it with a game? Sure, sure, that's fine. If he had a game I, where he showed out, yeah, yeah, I think the game that I most think about is the game against the Colts. I think he threw for like five touchdowns and went up against Andrew Luck and they were just slinging the ball all over the yard. I think of that game. uh, I think of the game where he absolutely torched the Baltimore Ravens at home and threw what five or six touchdown passes and destroyed them. But one singular play I think of, I think is the throw to um, Mike Wallace. Yeah. Who did they? Who did they beat? Did they beat? That uh, was he and Aaron Rodgers had a great duel that game. That, that was they nuts. beat. Yeah, they beat. Yeah, they beat the Packers on the last, last play throw. of the game, the last second throw. I mean that throw. Um, early in his career, uh, I think was the game where he uh, beat the Cowboys. I think yep. did he beat the Cowboys when he came back and beat the Cowboys? Uh, fourth quarter drive, beat the Cowboys. And I can remember that. I, I remember that moment fondly because my dad called me right after that throw and said, son, we got one. <laughs> we, we got, one. That, we was, got that, one. that was his rookie year. People forget his first start was against the Miami Dolphins, and the game was not televised because of a hurricane. And a hurricane. That was one of the few games I have not seen him play. I haven't either. I never did see it because I couldn't see it. It wasn't – they had to move the game up, I think, to – it was weird, but he won that in a torrential downpour. Then he went to Dallas and won. That was a – his rookie records will probably never be broken in terms of consecutive games won. So um, for me, I was going to say that Green Bay game. That was a, that Green Bay game he threw for almost okay. 500 yards and that touchdown. That was just, I remember watching that game like, oh my gosh. It just, it was back and forth. I want to say the first play from scrimmage, he went deep to Mike Wallace for a huge touchdown. And it just kind of was craziness after that on both sides because Aaron Rodgers was slinging it and Ben was slinging it. It was a great game. Great the game. one thing you got to love about Ben is. Bullet. You don't love anything. You hate no, it. No, no, no. Ben's a great player. I mean, there's the other stuff that's, <laughs> you know, Ben's a great player. And the one thing you like about Ben and you like about great players is they recognize moments when they have to shine and they are competitive, competitively egotistical. So when Ben is playing against another great player, you can guarantee that Ben is like, look, I'm trying to show them what I'm made of, that seven can ball too. And and you love that about Ben. Now, sometimes that may manifest itself in stat chasing, but I'd rather have a guy going out there and going super competitive, super Saiyan mode when they play against great players. Like, look, I'm a great player too. I'm going to step up and I'm going to show you that I can perform at the highest level. And he always tends to do that. He really gets up for playing another elite quarterbacks as long as it's not tb12 <laughs> as long as it's not Tom Brady. you're absolutely right as uh, long he's as beaten not tom TV. brady more than you think he's be, you know he beat him his rookie year and then obviously in heinz field he's beaten him before but not not with any type of regularity now thanks mean joe puts five dollars in the tip jar he says which of the wide receivers if any do you think can step up with mr gummy richard star potential minus the freak sideshow of course so 
Is there a guy on the roster that could be a superstar like, man, Antonio Brown is who he's referring to in case you're a first time viewer and didn't know the Gummy Richards reference. Man, I, I got to believe I, he was the best receiver in the game. Period. The best. And so I don't know if they, I, they don't have that on their team right now. They just don't. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, and, and I'm looking it up. Uh, wow, you know, yeah, they 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 don't have anybody close to that. I mean, let me get, let me as much as we rip Mr. Gummy Richards, um, Mr. Third and Fifth. Let me just read these stats from twenty from twenty thirteen to 20, 2018. 110 receptions, fifteen hundred yards. Hundred and twenty nine receptions, seventeen hundred yards. Hundred and thirty six receptions. 1,800 yards, 106 receptions, 1,300 yards, 101 receptions, 1,600 yards, 104 receptions, 1,300 yards. I mean, that production there is otherworldly. They'll be lucky if they ever find a player at the wide receiver position to put up that level of production because the two things you have to have is the you got to find a wide receiver and you have to have the quarterback for that to happen. So, you know, Antonio Brown was just magic. He was lightning in a bottle, so to speak. He's an incredible player. They they just don't have that on the roster. In fact, most people don't have that on the rock on their rosters. He was that guy for the Steelers. I mean, he was a generational talent for the Steelers. I mean, the production is otherworldly. Yeah, and it's funny as Roth or not Roth as uh, Antonio Brown goes through his. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, I, I feel like he's going through a lot of stuff right now, but I think he's working through it. If you look at his social media posts on Instagram, he's talked about Ben Roethlisberger and how no one's ever going to do it as well as they did for that stretch of time. Numbers don't lie, like you just read; those were incredible, incredible seasons. So, all right, sir, good show. Very good show. Why don't you wrap it up and send us out? And as always, listeners, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Absolutely. We will see you next Sunday for another episode of The Homer and Hater Show. Take it easy, everyone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply